Hey besties, welcome back to a new season of Wellness Through Reading. I am your host Tanisha. I like what you call your BFF of literature. I am here to guide you keeping reading your daily habit as a form of self-care. So let's dive in. Hey y'all, so yeah, I haven't gone for a minute as you probably have noticed and because life has been life in, but you know what, I'm back for a new season super excited for more book reviews more commentary more just wellness more all more everything i'm hoping i'm first of all i'm if you are new to the channel i welcome you if you are returning i welcome you back and let's dive in so today's episode all about ways to avoid reading burnout you know we're entering into october spooky season we are almost there to the end of the year and i don't know about y'all but i've been feeling a little bit burned out so, especially when it comes to reading, which as a channel dedicated to reading daily, it can be a bit, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, anyway, let's move on. So, ways to avoid reading burnout. So, number one, set realistic goals. Goals, not goals, goals. Oh my goodness. I'm totally burned out. <laughs> but hey, let's determine a reasonable amount of reading you can handle each week or day. Avoid overwhelming yourself with an unrealistic reading list. Now, here on the channel, we all have a TBR list, which is to be read. Mine is forever growing. I have a huge stack of books and I just purchased two more. Okay, okay, I purchased four more. Whatever, don't judge me. But you know what? Don't feel like you need to read all of them for the end of the year. God willing, we'll all still be here into the new year so just you know we'll read it when the new year we'll we'll get to it when we get to it things do happen so don't be hard on yourself which brings us to number two which is take breaks allow yourself to take regular breaks not only from reading but while you're reading stand up stretch give your eyes and mind some rest this help prevents fatigue and help you get refreshed also help you just remember what you just read sometimes you can just be so kind of zoned out because the day might have been hard and you're just staring at the same page if that happens just stop go to bed go somewhere else go go for a walk take a minute and come back to it reading should be a hobby not a chore so three, if you're feeling a little burnt out from reading, diversify your reading material. You know, avoid sticking to just one genre or subject. Explore different topics and genres to keep your reading experience interesting and diverse. Switching from fiction and nonfiction can also maintain your enthusiasm. Also switching different, you know, genres. If you've been reading romance, you know, switch it up. Read some fantasy, read horror, read thriller. If you're reading a lot of murder mystery, then switch it up, read some romance. You never know, you might actually like it. Number four, create a comfortable reading environment. Now ensure that your reading space is well lit, comfortable, and free from distractions. This can help you focus and enjoy your reading process without unnecessary interruptions. Now for those of us who got the space, have a reading corner, reading couch, reading bed, reading pillow, whatever. Just determine that this is my space, this is my time to read. So give me my space and let me read. Rude, interrupting. Which leads us to number five, practice time management. Allocate specific times for reading in your daily schedule. We have talked about this on the channel before. On previous episodes, you know, make set reminders. Put it on your calendar to remind yourself, oh yeah, this is my reading time. This is my me time. You know, we gotta schedule our me times, especially as adults. 
and particularly a majority of us all on this channel are it's hard sometimes but life gets life in to take that time out for yourself but trust me it is so important to take those moments take a deep breath and matter of fact let's all stop right now i mean if you're driving in a car please keep driving but if you're just sitting listening to this podcast i want you to inhale with me and exhale inhale and exhale doesn't that feel good taking that moment taking a deep breath and sometimes it just takes that moment you know get back into doing things i don't know i just felt like the need to do that because life has been life been around here and the news has been going awful and it's just sometimes it takes time to take a deep breath so number five practice time management let's move on to number six join a book club or a reading group Engaging in discussions with fellow readers can enhance your reading experience and provide a sense of community. It also adds an element of social interaction to your reading journey. Now, I know we've talked about this before a little bit, but listeners of the podcast, if you're interested in starting a book club here on the channel, comment down below. Hey, Tanisha, I'm interested in starting a wellness through reading book club. And you know what? We might just do that in the future. Experiment with different formats. Now, when we talk about experiment with different genres, let's experiment with different formats. If you find yourself getting tired of, you know, physical books, try an audiobook or an ebook. And yes, we have done discussions on this channel about ebook, about audiobooks being considered reading. It is reading. Write me in the comments if you'd like. But try it out. I mean, honestly, it can only enhance your reading experience. Switching between different formats can also bring a fresh perspective and make reading more enjoyable. Which brings us to number eight, which is probably my favorite step. Prioritize self-care. Take care of your overall well-being. Get enough sleep, eat nutritious meals, exercise regularly, and engage in activities that bring you joy. A healthy mind and body are better equipped to handle extensive reading. Like I said, inhale. Exhale. This channel is all about wellness, not just reading, but wellness. I want you to take care of yourself. This is your time to unwind. You know, this is your escape. This is your moment. This is your mindfulness. This is what we as readers love to do because it helps us to power up so that we can now be better for other people. So prioritize your self-care if you're starting to feel a little burned out because you're not going to be good for anyone else if you're not good for yourself first. Number nine, don't force yourself. If you're not enjoying a particular book, put it on your DNR. Do not resuscitate. <laughs> Meaning, you know, this book, it's just you're trying so hard to put it in and try to read it, and it's just not doing it for you. Just, you know, put it on the shelf and pick up another one. Also, as always, reflect on your reading. Step number 10. After finishing a book, take some time to reflect on what you've read. Jot, jot down your ideas. Discuss with others. Write a review. Reflect on your reading. Enhance your understanding. Make it more of a fulfilling experience. You know, maybe the reason why you're feeling burned out is because you're just going through books after books and you're not taking the time to stop and be like, okay, what did I just read? What did I like about it? You know, contemplate on it. You know, this is... I mean, it's not homework per se, unless you want it to be. I mean, again, it's a hobby. It's not a chore, you know? And also, I always, always talk on the channel about getting a reading journal, writing out your reading journal, how you feel about the text, what you like about it, what you don't like about it. 
and it just really helps to enhance what you just read also it makes you feel good and over it's just fun reading as always should be fun and speaking of burning out I don't know if y'all been following me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, but I have been posting nonstop about this amazing fantasy, nonstop romance thriller. Just what? Yes. I'm not going to swear. I almost did. Called Fourth Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. And that is today's book review. Oh my goodness. Before we do that, I'm going to take a quick little pause, quick little promotion here. And then we'll go back in. So one moment. It's that time of the month. Aunt Flo is in town. Y'all know what I mean. Especially the ladies of the podcast. These are all the euphemisms that we use to state that your period is on its way. I am a woman who used to suffer from extremely painful periods that kept me up at night, kept me in bed so I couldn't go to work. That was all changed. And it's when I found some main supplements. Our bodies fluctuate from day to day, week to week, month to month. So we need natural supplements that help support these hormones. And the supplements that they offer are the Daily Hormone Balance, which provides more energy, better moods, reduced cravings. Key ingredients include grape seed extract, passion flower, B vitamin complex, magnesium, and zinc. There is also the PMS Period Support, which you use before your period to avoid bloating, have reduced cramping, and fewer mood swings. Key ingredients include green tea and vitamin D. There's also the urinary tract cleanse and protects your urinary system. Key ingredients are your cranberry juice extract. And then there's also the prebiotic for women for better gut health, soothes, soothes the intestines, and reduces bloating. And lastly, there's the menopause essentials which helps to have fewer hot flashes, better sleep, and more stable moods. Me personally, I use the daily supplement and the PMS period supplement. I must say for the first time in my life since starting my period at the age of 15, both these supplements have helped reduce my pain ridiculously. I no longer get those stabbing pains anymore. So obviously I use the daily supplement on a daily basis and then two to three days before my period is set to start, I use the PMS support to help with those uncomfortable mood swings and cravings that we all get during that time. I owe all this wonderfulness to Samane. So for more information about it or to order your first bottle, go to SamaneHealth.com. That is S-E-M-A-I-N-E Health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com. Use the promo code Tanisha's Reading Corner. That is spelled T-A-N-I-S-H-A-S-R-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-R-N-E-R. All one word, no apostrophe, Tanisha's Reading Corner to get 20% off your first bottle. Periods are normal. The pain should not be. I thank you so much for listening. Now let's get back into the episode. All right. So thank you so much for returning back and let's dive right back in. So Fourth Ring by Rebecca Yaros. I saw this one on Book Talk and after the first chapter, I knew I had to do a podcast episode on it. However, this book is just, it's so much wonderfulness, fantasy, love, romance, betrayal, violence it's a little bit of everything that I decided to take this review in several parts so which in-depth about central themes the key to not only understanding the book but also how we can apply it to our daily lives let's just go let's discuss the first four chapters and how the power of mantra 
powers of mantras is used to give our protagonist Violet Soringer the courage to preserve under harsh, hostile, and dangerous times. This review contains spoilers, so you have been warned. I'm telling it all, spilling all the tea, so if you haven't read the book, pause it right now. Go read it, come back, and then we'll talk. So, starting chapter one. We meet our protagonist, Violet Sorengale, who is a new cadet beginning to embark on a journey of a lifetime. We meet her on her way to attending the prestigious and dangerous Basque of College from the land of Nagrath. Nagrath. If none of these names sound familiar, it's because this is an epic tale falls under the genre of fantasy fiction. In this genre, anything goes. Magic, witches, wizards, fairies, and dragons. And this one has a lot of dragons. Consider Basque of College like... Now, before we go any further with the plot, I want to start by just building up this world that we're currently in. Now, the continent that they live on has two kingdoms that has been at war for practically 400 years. It's actually, they got beef, y'all. There's Navarre, which is Violet's home, which contains six providences. Then there's the enemy kingdom known as Poor Mir, which routinely attempts to invade Navarre with their griffin flyers. Now, griffins in this world can channel powers to their flyers, but only dragons have the power strong enough to power the wards that protect Navarre. Also in this world, there are different type of gods and goddesses that they worship, one of which that is routinely one that the dragon riders often pray to is Malek. That is their god of death, who frequently pray to. The daily death roll has a huge cause for this. Now, at Basquiat War College, there are four quadrants. There are the Riders, which is where the dragons are. There's the Healer Quadrant, the Scribe, and the Infantry. Now, while the Riders Quadrant might be the hardest one to get into, it's the Infantry Quadrant that's by far the worst because you're basically guaranteed cannon fodder. Let's do a recap of this, shall we? So Violet Swarengale was supposed to be in the Scribe Quadrant with, you know, because she has this condition where she has brittle bones and joints as well as a great memory, which is perfect for her. I mean, she loves reading about the battles. She loves writing about it. However, her mother, General Swarengale, wants her to be a dragon rider like her sister and brother, her sister Mira and her brother Brennan. Her sister Mira doesn't want her to go, but supports her by telling her what to expect and gifting her a dragon scale armor. That comes in handy a lot with Violet. Before we go any further with that, I want to talk a little bit more about Beskyth College. Essentially, once a person in this world turns 20, they are then split up into four different groups. And at Beskyth College, it's like the overall arc, but underneath it, there are four quadrants. The first one is the Riders Quadrant. That's where the Dragon Riders are. Then there's the Healers Quadrant, the Scribes Quadrant, and the Infantry. Now, the Riders Quadrant might be the hardest one to get into, but it's the Infantry Quadrant that's the worst place to be. Because basically, you're guaranteed to be cannon fodder. Now, consider the Dragon Riders like the Marines of this world. They are legendary dragons that require a human host in order to project their individual signet that helps both rider and dragon become increasingly powerful and also helps protect the human's homes and the dragon's veil. So it's a win-win relationship. But holding it is not an easy quest. There are multiple grueling, scary, and life-threatening challenges one has to prove themselves in order to be deemed worthy enough to become to bond to a dragon. You have to cross the parapet, you gotta go through the gauntlet, make it past the presentation of the dragons, make it past threshing, then survive two more years of this. It's a lot. 
However, Violet, Sora, and Gale in Hasten Her Rise has none of the typical traits that you would expect from a dragon wild. She is considered to be described in the book as being incredibly short with two-toned hair, pale skin from being constantly sick. Also, her bones are very pale and brittle. She has a condition that causes the bones to fragment and tear very easily. Uh, when Violet, This happened when Violet was a baby. Her mother got a high fever in pregnancy and was greatly impacted on how, how, how bleh, Violet's body handles diseases. Now, her father was a scribe, and her mom's a dragon wild, and her father wanted her to become a scribe like him, but Violet, Sorangale's mother, who was General Sorangale, had other plans. She basically told Violet, and after her father said that she was going into the writer quadrant. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, and if she even tried to go into the scribe quadrant, she would drag her back to the writer's quadrant. Yeah. They got issues, y'all. This has a, you can already tell in the first chapter they got a lot of family tension as Violet goes to her mother and tells her, you know, I'm getting ready to leave. Her sister, who has been a writer now for a few years, comes in and is like, Mom, what are you doing? She can't do this. You're trying to lose another one of your kids. And that's when the room gets super cold. And, Vi- and the general basically tells Mira to get out and she talks to Violet by herself. Now, there are three Sorengale children. There is Violet, who's the youngest, Mira, who's the middle, and then there was Brennan. Brennan was killed during the uh, rebellion of Tyrandor. To fully understand the kind of conflict that's going on right now, there is a providence in Navarre called Tyrandor. They actually tried to separate themselves from Navarre, which could have left their wards, being that the protective field around Navarre, completely defensive against their enemies and also against the other griffin riders that wants to invade and so um, there was this huge civil war that was fought in the end the var wins won through indoors lost and that whole conflict occurred roughly around six years ago but keep that in mind because that does become very important later on in the story so after you know mira walks out violet walks out and then mira grabs her and takes her to her room and basically gets her prepared for walking into um the writer's quadrant she tells her all the techniques and whatnot ties her hair up helps repack her pack because it wasn't packed properly you know big scissors being rude that's what i kind of got from that then she takes her over to the writer's quadrant all the people are getting ready typically for the other quadrants they just kind of walk through the doors but for writers they have to climb and the climbing is because the parapet a parapet is basically a very skinny uh like brick sidewalk if you will that is placed like roughly hundreds and hundreds of feet above the air i'm talking like taller than the uh statue of liberty taller than not really tall than but like half of the eiffel tower if you will like this thing is tall above the ground and you have to find a way to balance yourself on this like tiny little balance beam if you will that's made out of stone and when it gets wet it gets slippery and you might just slip and fall to your death now some people make it across some people slip and fall but the thing is if you can't even balance on this then there's no way to be able to ride a dragon everything that the riders go through in the quadrant is basically a test of can you ride a dragon so yeah it starts from day one so they have to climb up as she's climbing up to the parapet she meets Rhiannon and she meets Dylan Dylan's a really nice guy really seems sweet Rhiannon is his powerful warrior who's really excited who's dreamed about dragons all her life and Violet's like yeah, my mom made me come. She's like, I was, she said she was voluntold to be, because you have to be volunteer 
in order to be in the writer's quadrant. You can't be forced. Unless, of course, you are the children of the rebellious readers of Tyrandor. Now, Mira warns um, Violet as she's going, before she goes into the wire squadron, that all the children of the leaders were conscripted as punishment for their parents' crimes. Yeah, going back to that civil war between Turin, the providence of Trivendor, and Navarre, is that um, all the rebellious leaders that basically started the civil war were all put to death. And all of their children, as a consequence, were now having to just, all of them are subscribed into the writer's quadrant. Yeah, they have no choice. They either have to bond to a dragon or die, as consequence for their parents' actions. Which, I don't know about y'all, but when I first read that, that seems very harsh. I mean, the kids shouldn't have to be punished for their parents' doings. That's not right. I mean, meh. Uh, so already, we're starting to see that the politicking is politicking. <laughs> Meaning that there's uh, there's some nefarious things going on with the politics here. So I mean, already I'm already intrigued. This is dragons. There's really farce politicking going on here, and also an love interest. We are introduced, not really introduced, but we're here of the name Zayden Ryerson. Ryerson, from Mira, which tells her to avoid him at all costs. Their name is immediately strikes something with Violet because last name Ryerson, his father, friend Ryerson, was the colonel who started the whole rebellion to begin with. And so that's his firstborn son. And so basically, the reason why to avoid him at all costs is because their mother, a little bit Sorengill, General, a little bit Sorengill, oversaw Colonel Friend Ryerson's execution for his betrayal of Navarre. So yeah. Um, Zayden might not like you when you first walk in, so avoid him at all costs. Which, I mean, good sisterly advice. Really appreciate that. Because, I mean, and what was really scary was that they didn't think he was going to make it. Zayden. They didn't think he was going to make it to bond to a dragon. But he did. And he's now a wing leader. So it means he has not only a powerful dragon, he now has power. So yeah, do your best. Try and avoid him. Which again... I mean, just when I first read that, I'm like, how is she supposed to avoid him if he's a wing leader? She's a first year. She's going to have to do what he says, but uh, she's going to do her best. So, going back to the parapet. They're on their way, walking up, and as they reach the little hole where the parapet is, there are three riders already there taking their names as they go across the parapet. And then she locks eyes with one of them. And it gets a little intense. It's staring contest. I mean, he's everything, your mom, your sister, brother, everybody warned you about. He's a hottie with a body. He's the perfect love interest. Violet's head over here is in love. And then uh, the one of the road keepers up in front said, ready for the next one, Ryerson? And immediately Violet's heart dropped. She's like, oh no, this guy I'm currently lusting after is Zayden Ryerson, the person that Mira told her to worry about. So she's trying to play it cool, play it off. And then Rihanna was like, ready? Soren Gale, and she just closed her eyes like, oh crap, no, 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 and then he, of course, hearing this, snaps his head to her, and then it's like, Soren Gale, and it's like, oh crap, you know, so much for trying to avoid him, so this makes the situation even more awkward, so they're caught in a staring contest, and all of a sudden, they hear screaming, Dylan, who was ahead of Rhiannon, has slipped and fallen off the parapet. And so, that's when she realizes why Mira didn't told her, no, don't get too close to anyone, because 
a lot of people end up dying in the writer's quadrant. So she's standing there horrified. Ryers and Stan are staring at her and she's worried like, man, I'm not going to be able to make it across. He's going to throw me off this thing. And he looks at her like, man, I'm not going to throw you off. The fairy people do it for me. And she's next. So that's how chapter one ends. <laughs> My lord, that was... <laughs> that's just chapter one, y'all. We are... Because typically it's interesting that she starts this way. We start action, action, action. We're not starting off with, you know, in a, another location. We learn about that location and then we travel to... Uh, the place. No, we're starting off at the place right now here in center. Let's go. So that's a very different change of pace for fantasy. And I think I read it. I saw an um, interview that Rebecca Rose did where she basically states that this book kind of is a way of introducing romance novel readers to a little fantasy world. So I like it. You know, it's a little bit of both. We get the protagonist, we get the storyline, we get the plot, we get the conflict, we get a potential enemies maybe lovers interest we'll see so we enter into chapter two it's now virus turn to cross across this thing and of course as always i mean it was nice and clear and sunny and then it starts to rain hard and so she jumped onto this thing and she's slowly making her way across she's doing good she's staying calm trying to stay focused and you know she's reciting all the things that she once knew about uh, well, trying to keep her heart calm. Now, this is important to know. In moments like this where, you know, obviously this is an extreme example, when our hearts are beating fast and we don't know what to do, it's always good to rely back on things that we know. In this case, Violet knows scribe work. She knows literature. She knows the work. So she starts to repeat to herself, you know, um, past works that she's learning to help keep her calm, keep her focused. Now, while she's doing good, she's almost there, there's this a-hole behind her name, Jack, who is like, I'm on my way to kill you. This guy is a sociopath from day one. He is just an a-hole. It's like, dude, what is your problem? Like, on his way to kill her. Doesn't know her. Doesn't know anything about her. Has no real beef with her. But wants to kill her. I mean, yeah. He's a total sociopath about there. But anyway, she's on her way there, halfway there quarter way there and then she gets there and she turns around takes a knife out and basically step points it right at him like i will cut your balls off if you take one step towards me and she's so in the moment trying to get this guy away from her she doesn't realize that she's entered into the writer's quadrant so here we go she made it she's made it she has made it across the parapet against all odds against her worst fears she has made it into the writer's quadrant she tells this writer's her name finds Rihanna who has found another girl named Tara to talk to and then she goes looking for a lifelong friend Dane now Dane is a year older than her and she's he's been in the quadrant now for over a year so he's a second year and so basically he's a squad leader so he goes so she goes off to find him and Dane's like in shock like wait you made it across the parapet because basically Dane knows about her illness because you know best friends since like they were like babies and pacifiers type of thing and so he's looking at her like what are you doing here you're not supposed to be here you're supposed to be in the scribe quadrant and he basically told her like look my mom told me I had to be here so it's like yeah at first Dane seems like a lovable kind of guy we learn more as we go along don't want to give it away but you know He's a friend who's trying to help her out, so he allows her into his squad. And then all the writers enter into the quadrant, and then they get into their groupings. Sections and squads. There are three squads in each section, and three sections in each of the four wings. 
that's how it's all grouped and there are four brains first brain second brain fourth brain hmm. so at first both um violet and rhiannon are called to second squad flame section but Zayden, who hasn't kept his eye off her the whole time they were in the quadrant, basically has it switched. So now they're in the fourth wing, which is his wing, and he's the wing leader. Hence the name of the book. So after everyone gets called into their students' questions, Zayden Ryerson comes forward and gives a very interesting speech, say. Basically warning all the first year that, you know, no one's going to care about who your mommies and your daddies are. This is the hardest quadrant. You know, half of you, tell them about the first year, will be dead before the summer. A third of you, you're a second year, and a third after that. This is not easy. If you want a dragon, you better earn one. And then all of a sudden, they start hearing flapping wings. We look up, and we see several dragons descend into the quadrant. Basically sitting on the, the very thick walls they have. And then, you know, people are ooh and ah, and some are screaming. And then one person is so scared, they take off running. One of the dragons sees this, and then he basically, well, the dragon blasts the person with their fiery flame. Mm-hmm. And just like that, they are no more. And there's no more cheering, there's no more applying, there's just, oh, crap, this is for real, for real. This is scary. They want, basically, Violet even says they want us scared. Well, <laughs> mission accomplished it is not going to be easy and as Zayn Ryerson says you know to them you are nothing you're just their prey so now we enter into chapter four and we start off with um the roll calling and every morning the, in the writer's quadrant they roll call all the people who had all the writers who had no writers but the cadets who had died before you're first a cadet and once you bond to a dragon then you're known as a writer so basically cadets first years are at the bottom of the pool they are the worms they are the nobodies they are trying to prove themselves to show that they are worthy enough to bond to a dragon and basically the first couple of months is all about training them to show that not only are they smart are they independent but they can defend themselves and they can fight so after prison breaks you know dane who is their squad leader basically tells them you know guys go off to your classes he says it so sternly that it kind of scares violence he's like wow who is this person like he's not the same lovable person that i once knew which is a new which we will get if you've read the books you know exactly what that sound is if you haven't uh, keep listening to this podcast because you will find out that everything that glitters is gold in this relationship but after they break you know she does hear a bird call and he's like what that sounds actually familiar it's dane so dane and her go off in this little area and they start talking and dane tries to convince her that you know this place is deadly it's dangerous i just don't think you'll be able to make it it's like look i'm here and i'm gonna do the best i can and he's like all right and then in their conversation he actually tells her that like he has a sickness power about his dragon he has like and his secret power is that he can read people's memories and it's like oh well he has to touch them first which pay attention to that because that comes into play later on he touches them and then he can read their memories it's like oh that's a pretty powerful signet comes in handy a lot Mm -hmm. and so they break apart and then she goes off to class and as she's walking to her class she lops looks up and zayden ryerson is like three stories above 
three floors above her and he's just staring down at her and they're basically in this staring contest this happens a lot between them and honestly in the beginning part you really think think okay is he trying to kill me what's going on here so he's just staring and then all of a sudden Dane comes out and no he's like what are you and he's like top floor he's like so he kind of like Dane like being the protective friend that he is steps in front of Violet and then Zayden kind of comes down the stairs staring at them and then Violet takes off running so yeah that is the first four chapters of fourth wing now I gotta tell you it took me a minute to get into it because I was reading other books and whatnot but once I started I could not stop I was literally it was like what three o'clock in the afternoon when I started reading this book it was midnight when I finally put it down I was halfway through it's so good it is action-packed it is everything you want out of fantasy anything you want out of romance and I understand now the hype. It is absolutely worth the hype. I give it a five-star read already. So as we go along on this podcast journey, this season, I'm definitely going to break down more of these chapters. I'm going to take it bite by bite because I do want to review it with you. And also really want to talk about what about the power of mantras. So what is a mantra? It's something that we recite to ourselves to help us stay calm, to help us remind us of who we are, where we are, what we're doing. And our future goals as well, too. So in this case, Violet's mantra would be, you know, I will not die today. Which, again, this is an extreme, extreme, extreme example. But that's her mantra. You know, I will not die today. I will make through this. I will get through this. I will not die today. I will find a way to get through. And I think that we as people, that is something that sometimes we forget. Like sometimes things can get so dark and so scary that we just lose focus but sometimes you just gotta find that five worded one sentence that just you repeat to yourself that way you stay calm keep your heart rate down and just get through it you know it may not be as dramatic as i will not die today but it could be something simple like i will have peace today or i will do this today or i will stay calm i will breathe more today to get myself through this that's powerful i say so yeah all right as always, I like to leave my readers with a quote, and our quote today. Today's quote comes from Stephen King, and it reads, books are uniquely portal magic. And again, I thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Wellness Through Reading. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Our videos will be posted weekly on Wednesdays. Keep up with, you know, book recommendations, tips and tricks on how to keep reading a daily habit of foreign self-care. I thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, wishing you all good wellness and good reading.